Hello. Welcome to another episode of the Grassroots Roundtable Podcast, a podcast that is simply a discussion between a couple of local church leaders. Today, we're going to be talking about abortion and tribalism. In the meantime, I am the A-game, Adam Bailey, an elder grassroots church here in the Greenbrier Valley of West Virginia, joined once again by the main man himself, the charming, the cunning, overlord, main man himself of grassroots church, lead elder, Darren Cherry. Hey, hey. Almost we- went Trump there for a second. Oh, we've, uh, yeah, <laughs> your accent or Did your- Did you hear that for a second? Your impersonation. The overlord. Now we uh, we've got a couple of uh, really light, easy topics today. Yeah. So in short, uh, not a fan of abortion. Don't do it. Y'all are welcome. It's uh, been a good one. If you've made it this far, you know you're awesome. Let We'd us know love your feedback. Grassroots Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Call us, text us. Looking us. forward to hearing from you. Anything you want to say else, Darren? Well, actually, you know, just the <laughs> fact that you did the whole give us your feedback. That's what we're doing. That's the two topics today were from feedback. People were like, hey, would y'all be willing to talk about this and then this? And yeah, I know you've got a couple things for next week yeah, as well. So we are, the plan is, here's the roadmap, friends. And Darren, hi, Darren. But you already know it, Darren. Our friends kind of know it. But now everybody's in the know, and I'm not alone. Sorry, I tried to make a play on words there. Yeah, we're going to talk about abortion and tribalism today. Uh, next week, we have a few other points of conversation based on feedback and we're going to be topical until we get to the 100th episode, and then we're going to evince our lady friends who we're married to. The lady cast should be the 100th episode if we can schedule accordingly. But, you know, babies, moving, graduations, it's... it's, it's we're going to make it happen. We're going to figure this out. We're going to make it happen, and we're going to actually record all of their voices. <laughs> and then we're going to launch into hopefully another series. Have yes. an idea of the direction we're going to go. But in the meantime, we're left being topical. We're left being controversial. Everyone keeps asking, nay, begging for our opinion as white class, middle-aged straight men. Everyone is just clamoring for our opinion on social issues. <laughs> I would like to start with that. Um, hi, my name is Adam, and that is me in a nutshell. So my opinion, take that with a grain of salt on things. I feel like that was a good disclaimer. I just want I feel like people should know. White, middle class, straight, Christian, male. There you go. Is that we, for you? We me? check all those boxes. I thought it was assu- I, th- I thought my faith was assumed, Darren, so I apologize. I just all the boxes checked for why people would why certain people would discount us. Yeah, so maybe the perspective that I share is biased. I'm sure it is. And I, well, I understand that. And every hey, here's is. the thing. Everybody's biased. Yeah, everybody's, everybody's biased. biased. Everybody. You've got something that, that gives you a certain bent towards something. Obviously, we're always going to be biased towards Scripture. Like, we want we want to be based off Scripture. But um, you said tribalism. And i got to start off with this real quick. Uh I can't call my baseball team the tribe anymore. But can you? They're they're the guardians. And and even Gavin and I were talking this morning that it we're getting used to it. It's still they have this new logo with like this baseball and this G and these wings. And I was like, I don't really like that. I don't mind the C. Um, but I saw a picture of the stadium for the first time, and instead of Indians, it said 
Guardians. And I'm like, I'm getting used to it. Gavin said, hey, I actually like the new G baseball logo thing. I'm like, yeah. But of course, his name is Gavin, which starts with a G. Oh, Gavin. I got I see you, Gavin. What you're I see what you're doing. Your favorite movies are rated G, but I, for Gavin. But I do have to like. <laughs> I'm I'm happy right now. We're 500. We're 15 and 15. It's pretty we're, good. Where's the stack up in the? We're division? middle of the pack, and that's okay because I thought we'd be lower. But we're middle of the pack. Uh, the Brewers. Did have the best record of baseball. They were doing pretty well there for a while. Uh, yeah. Cincinnati, well, they I think they went two and three in their yeah, series. Cincinnati started winning. And the Yankees, of course, have the best record in baseball. Blah, uh, yeah, blah, yeah, blah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, Kershaw uh, is everybody's favorite pitchers, from what I can tell. But you know, are you still... Are you are you still loving it, watching it, enjoying <laughs> yeah. it? I love baseball. It's so fun to put it on the background. The other day when I was um, having my sit in the yard and think about nothing time... I've read a lot of Stephen King books, and something that comes up in a lot of his books are Red Sox fans, because, you know, he's Northeast. So New Hampshire, Boston, uh, Maine, apparently they're all Red Sox fans. Yeah. And, you know, like 1950s, walking down the street as a you know kid in the late 50s and hearing the, the Red Sox game on the radio from inside the houses. I, I was thought to myself, it'd be really nice to find a radio station that carried some baseball game and put the speaker in my window to try to reenact that a little bit. I'm like, that's corny. But no, baseball is, um, I regret I didn't put more uh, more into it hey. before. But the I don't get their logo. That's kind of my thing. Like the, the baseball and the mitt. Yeah. They can do better than that. They're the Brewers after all. Yeah. It it is funny because I mean we know why they're called the Brewers. I know, and then their stadium, the uh, American Family Ballpark or something. Well, what's funny is and they the whenever the Brewers score a run, their mascot slides down this twirly slide out in center field, a beer funnel, and <laughs> it used to slide into a beer can. Oh, but it doesn't anymore. It's oh, just man. a slide. Yeah. So I mean, good, good for it. Way yeah. to way to sober up there, Brewer. But was your first major league game the Indians game we went to? Yeah. Oh, and your second will be us going to see the Cubs and the Reds. Okay. Mm -hmm. I think it'd be cool to check out all the various ballparks. I'm obsessed with it. It's one of the best parts of baseball that other sports just don't have. The architecture in the ballparks is so unique and quirky. Well, obviously, football stadiums and basketball arenas, like the building themselves, the buildings are different, and they all have their – quirkiness and there's certain things but Kinda, the court more, and the fields are all the same they're so corporate they're you but know baseball the left field right field different lengths foul ground different way you know it's they're very different so i think it'd be fun to if given the opportunity to go to obviously cincinnati a great american ballpark it'd be fun to go first time i'm going to that i'm looking the ballpark in pittsburgh uh, I've heard it's a very nice ballpark. It's not that old. Well, it's right there in the rivers. Like you've got, um, and Pittsburgh has a good job. Pittsburgh, y'all are as a city. You've, you're good job transitioning from steel and heavy industry to technology and healthcare. Way to go, Pittsburgh! I'm pulling for you. I'm not. I like Pittsburgh. <laughs> no, uh, I'm pulling for the city. Can't Nationals pull for the Steelers, be cool to go to a Nationals game. See, I went to a Nationals game when they were playing in RFK Stadium. It was their inaugural season of coming back as a major league team and but now they've got you know where they play now and so uh i haven't been to that one apparently philly's only like six hours away but i'd love to of course chicago we've oh. been to chicago i'd love to go to wrigley but that's really can we go to what away. is it, camden yards where what's baltimore baltimore <gasps> apparently it's really cool 
ballpark because it's kind of like a warehouse dude vibe to it. I told you the A29 conference. I've been thinking about it. I'm just saying it's in Baltimore. Maryland, you got some making up to do. Yeah, I I was actually going to put – I think I did put Adam, we have to go to Maryland, but – I think that I've made a joke out of my relationship with tourists from Maryland so long that I'm actually starting to believe it. Because now when I see Maryland in the news, I'm like, of course they watch Maryland. But it's like, that they did nothing to me. Just a little edgy. Just a little edgy. I mean, there's a history there. So instead of saying y'all are a terrible state, do better, um, you're a little edgy. Chill. I'm I'm trying to look. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Uh, Five hours away, Baltimore. That's crazy. Did you know that this area is within one day's drive of 50% of the American population? Welcome to West Virginia. Do you know what we could do? Because I figured this out. Toronto is about eight hours from here. Do you know what's right in the middle of here in Toronto? Cleveland. Cleveland. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> we could lake. actually take, like, a three-day trip, go to Cleveland, watch an Indians game. Sorry, Guardians game. And then get up the next day, go to Toronto, watch a Blue Jays game. If we can get through the border, man. We could do it. Them Canucks. We got those, those and, vaccination and cards. And I made a promise to the Federicos that we would go to Wisconsin oh. and go across the lake and say hi to them because they're on the western side now. Oh, wait, wait, that's private information. Well, they're they're not in Wisconsin. But they're on the other side of Wisconsin. From, but they're separated by they're the body not of water. in Wisconsin. So they have not been outed. We know where they're at. Best state ever, Wisconsin. Uh Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Nope. Why? WV, baby. Love my state. Okay. I, lo- I love West Virginia. Super underrated, West Virginia, that is. So, by the way, Gavin comes home from school, and one of his classmates, they were talking about West Virginia, and one of his classmates said their parents worked in locally, uh, and they came across a European couple. Okay, and the European couple had moved to the United States, to West West Virginia specifically. Like they moved to West Virginia from Europe. It wasn't like we're going to come over to the states. No, not here, not here, not here, not here, not here, not here. Oh, we're going to land in West Virginia. Go. They did it on purpose. And in talking to at least that that family, they said there is a a a number of Europeans that they're familiar with that specifically target moving to West Virginia because of the beauty of this state they said is unmatched. And I'm like, duh. Welcome to the insider knowledge that we have. Yeah, every time I see the New River Gorge on TV and how, oh, this just looks awesome and epic, because we do have the most beautiful mountains. And our people are nice. Speaking about tribalism, it, it's part good, part bad. It's like when you're in, you're in. Well, do you and do you ever hear somebody go? Those aren't mountains, because like in West Virginia, yeah, because you got to think of like the Rockies, and they that's a mountain because there's no snow on top of them during the summer, you know. Hey, we got plenty of snow. Hey, man, go to Bosnob. I right? you go to Bosnob in October. You got snow. Go to Snowshoe. You'll find some snow. Not in July. I don't know. Hey, Pocahontas. I mean, it's cold in Frank. No. But I'm saying, like, people say our mountains aren't mountains because they, you know, they look at other mountains as like, no, it's yeah, not Mount I can honestly, Everest. I've never heard that as something. Is that something you said when you were in Ohio? No, it's resident? when I when I moved to West Virginia, getting to know the mountains, 
and then going other places. People are like, no, nah, the mountains in West Virginia aren't mountains. They're just really big hills. Also known as a mountain. Yeah. And so, you have to remember, too, the mountains that are around here, we're on the, if you break it down geographically, what are we on the Allegheny Plateau? So we're, we're pretty high up. Like, we're mountains on top of mountains. And so what if there's a plateau in between? And it's still a mountain. We're on top of a mountain no matter where you go in West Virginia. The only state in the contiguous... Well, actually, the only state in the entire United States is 100% within the Appalachian Mountain chain. Can't go anywhere in West Virginia and be outside the Appalachian Mountains. Now, it might look flatter because you're on a plateau sometimes. Refer to Allegheny Plateau if you have Wikipedia on standby. But uh, whoever says that, hey, forget you, man. But that's, you know, like you said, it's it's the good and the bad. Poke at my mountains. But that's the thing is I think that's what lends West Virginians to love their state more is due to the outside view of it that people don't understand. I always, I defend West Virginia. I, I remember I got to pray over the West Virginia Convention of Southern Baptist a couple years ago, and I got up there and said, listen, I love our state and our people. I feel more like a mountaineer than a Buckeye, because y'all know I was raised in Ohio, okay? Now I'm still rooting for Ohio State and University of Cincinnati. I'm still a Cleveland fan, you know, but... I feel more like a mountaineer. I feel like more of the people of the mountain state than than I do, uh, you know, Ohio or anywhere else. But I defend West Virginia because I love it. And I think through the flood that we had a few years back, the the windstorm, derecho, 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 however you want to say it. El Durango. Yes. They, the people of West Virginia showed why we have such pride in our state. Uh, they are very much a people that will show up. I remember going house to house in White Sulphur during the flood, and um, just we just go up to people and be like, hey, do you need help? And they're like, yes, please. And we'd start helping clean out their house. And it got to, I don't know, 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock, and somebody's like, hey, why don't you just go down to this parking lot and get some lunch? And in my mind, I'm thinking, oh, somebody must have shown up that's given out like sandwich or something. Dude, you went down? It, it felt like a tailgating party. Because what happened, there's no electricity. Everybody just starts emptying their freezers. You could get burgers. You could get Italian food. You could, you could get steak, seafood. Like, everybody just showed up at their food, and they're like, instead of it going bad, we're going to grill it and give it away. And so that's, like, the strength of the West Virginia people. And I'm not saying that's, you know, only for West Virginia. I'm sure there's people like that in other states. But people look from the outside in and just think West Virginia is this useless state that we're just a bunch of coal miners and nothing else. And it's like, man, you gotta you gotta get to know our people. But that also lends to what we're talking about today, right? And a lot of what we're about to talk about today can I feel like better be resolved that people would just take time to understand where everybody else is coming from, all these different socio political views. Views on West Virginians, or my view on Maryland, for that matter. Now, have oh. I gone to Maryland and sat down to me like, help me understand you? Now, I have interacted with many people from You're Maryland. You're calling yourself out, okay? Hey, I like it. You know me. I'm not perfect. But just so we're clear, just so we're clear, okay. I do like Maryland. I, I don't. Dumb flag. I can't stand Dumb flag. I can't stand Maryland. Lord Baltimore. But anyway, thank you, Maryland, for your contributions to the country and the intelligence sector. Thank Let's you. try to go open-mindedly to the A29 conference in Baltimore. Let's try to Blank go. Slate. Blank slate. Yep, we're like no preconceived notion. Let's go see how Maryland and Baltimore treat us. Kind of makes you wonder how much of our opinion about 
people and people groups is based on what other people have told us mm-hmm. versus how much we've actually experienced ourselves. Oh. You know, because I have, I have met some tourists from California, and they were awesome. Matter of fact, I put it on Facebook one time. It's like, I'm going to sit here and rank the, the state that has the best tourists because no one really seems to focus on that. Like, which state has the best tourists when they come to West Virginia? Number one, man, Tennessee. Y'all are, and God bless you, Tennessee. Texas, God bless you too. But that's been my experience. Have, am I well-traveled? No, but a lot of people from various states and countries I have had the opportunity to interact with. A lot of interns I've been employed with from different countries. So a lot of my views, I feel like, come from that. But what do you think, Darren? Do you think that given mass media, how connected we are with social media, mainstream media, how much of our opinions, could you put a percentage on it, are based on what someone said and we just run with it compared to like what we actually experienced and know for ourselves? Putting a percentage on it, probably I, I wouldn't know where to start. I do know personally I have a tendency that if I run into, let's say I ran into 10 people from Louisiana, and got a a common thread from each of those 10 people, I would probably tend to think that everybody from Louisiana is like that. Because the only interaction I've had is from those 10 people. Um, or interact with somebody online or something. Like, you, like, like we're talking about tribalism, um, the idea that as a, as a, People in West Virginia. Did you ever have people that you grew up with that you can't make fun of their family, but they will? Like, mm. like you can't make fun of my family, but I'm I'm allowed to. Like, you can't. I'll fight my brother all day, but if you touch him, I'll kill you. No, I think my family was that way. <laughs> I think we were that that way. Because because the idea is like, no, that's my family. I think like West Virginia is that way of, you know, we're West Virginia, we stick up for one another. But, like, if if you're from Huntington, you don't like people from Morgantown. Or nobody in West Virginia likes people from Martinsburg. <laughs> you know? No, I, I understand. And that can, I mean, honestly, Darren, that can be applied to so many different genres. I think a group that's often overlooked would be Americans with Disabilities, uh, which is one minority I guess I would be a part of. So with what you're saying, if I was at, hypothetically speaking, at a low vision conference where people like me who aren't completely blind but lost enough to where it is a bit of an issue, more of an annoyance than anything else, um, if I become good friends with a guy and later on the day is like, I see a blindy, I feel like that's a term of endearment because he knows he's like carried that burden with me that that guy's experienced things that you know not not a lot of people have and we're just like I don't know we're family we have a shared experience and it's really awesome. Now, if I have a friend who sees 2020 who doesn't really hasn't taken the time to understand the way my vision works, if they're if they're like, "Oh, I see you later, blindy," it's like, "What do you mean by that?" Like, then now I got a problem. You're outside of this community. I think. What? Why? Why did you say? Well, you called the other guy blindy. It's like, okay, it's it. There's something to be said about sharing experience and finding common ground, and I think that's what we're being told constantly with all these different social media, mainstream media alike. It's like we're always being ripped apart. Like they're making up narratives sometimes to intentionally drive people apart to pursue whatever larger economic or um, there's some type of some progress. Yeah, yeah, something like that. So 
you know, we all have shared human experiences, and ultimately that's what bonds us together. And you can look at different minority communities and say the same way. You know, within the black community, they can use some verbiage that they're not comfortable with white folks using. It's like, well, I'm not a part of the community. Uh, yeah. So you got to respect that. So I do think there is a major problem in that we are so individualistic as a society where we just don't take time to get to know someone and really put ourselves in their shoes. It's easy for me to, you know, I have so many thoughts about um, urbanization, the homeless rates in liberal urban areas. It is an issue. It's a problem. Like, people can't afford to live in California, so they they left, and you have ultra-rich or homeless some that's, that's a problem, and that's a breeding ground for crime and stuff like that. Now, I could easily pass all be like, oh, California, you're either rich or you're poor. It's like, but how many have actually taken time to try to understand what is it like to live in California? What are some of the struggles that they have? I mean, they're in a different culture than I. I can use some words in West Virginia that I could not use over there. They can use words there that I would never. You know, it's like, do we actually encourage people to take time to understand where someone's coming from before we just slap a stereotype on their face. So how do you think all that plays into, like, tribalism in our state? I think because West Virginians are generally untraveled, and there is a culture of... Now, everybody, education is a broad term. I don't think education is specific to, like, higher education or college education or high school. Like, you can be... You can have a high school diploma and have an education in a... Um, in a trade, and that that's education, <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. But for so long, I don't feel like West Virginia as a culture applauded good, solid education, um, which made us look inward. Plus, West Virginia, too, you go back to all of our history, even before we were an independent state, we were part of Virginia, like back in the 1700s, Western Virginia over here, the frontier side, on the other side of the Blue Ridge Mountains, so on the east side of Virginia, you have commerce, you have business, you have ports. And on the western side of Virginia, you got mountains, you got rocks, you got people that are just trying to get by on them by themselves. West Virginia has an, a history of being exploited by groups or entities outside of their borders, whether that be eastern Virginia or a lot of these coal companies who have mined coal in West Virginia aren't even based in West Virginia taxes and stuff like that. So one could even make the argument that a lot of out-of-state companies have exploited our resources and our people. So because of that, I think that we look, you know, education, not pursuing it as much, and our history of exploitation makes West Virginians look inside. Like, if there's a problem, we got to look inside. Like, don't look outside. Don't look at other states. Don't look at the federal government. Like, we got to help each other out because they don't care about us. I feel, so how does it play, how does that play into it? I think West Virginia has sealed itself off, sealed itself off to protect itself. Now, I get that because. That was ranty. Ooh. Well, for me, coming from the outside, you know, I've been in West Virginia now for 21 years, okay? I lived in, I have lived in West Virginia longer than I lived anywhere else. So I've been in West Virginia for the bulk of my life now. Now, barely the bulk of my life, because I was in uh, a few other states, you know, 20 years, but, but now it's 21 years here, bulk of my life. And there are still ways within the state that I, I, I am viewed as an outsider. And we've talked about it multiple times, you know, here at Grassroots, here on the podcast, where we, Grassroots is kind of the church of the outsiders. Um, you know, a lot of our people are people that weren't born and raised in the area, uh, but we're very open and welcoming, and so people find us. Um, but 
I, I see that what you were saying there, that it's we've sealed ourselves off. Hey, we got to look out for ourselves. Okay, so so from our borders in, we're gonna we're gonna really take care of one another. Um, and I see that. But why, and and you've talked about coming from Glenn Forkoller, why then shout out, why then does that lead us towards not trusting people from a certain area of West Virginia or a different holler than us where we we are even due to a lot of times geography being closed so off and isolated separate. yeah because most of what people will know about another people group people from other states whomever comes from sources not firsthand experience okay let me ask a question on that then real quick you come from Glen Fork Holler Yep. Down in Wyoming, over in Wyoming, up in over? I would say down, down in Wyoming down County, in Wyoming down County. in the Waiko. Okay, um, so down in Wyoming County, did you did you hear about people from Charleston or people from uh, Morgantown or people from Wheeling that you just said, oh, this must be how they all are, and then you come in contact with them? Oh, and go, I so Glen Fork was in between Oceana and Pineville, the two largest towns in Wyoming County, and. Glen Fork, we had stereotypes about both of them. And did they have stereotypes about you? Oh, gosh, yeah. So it's funny. So Westside High School, the high school I graduated from, 2007, go Renegades, kind of. It, it was a consolidation. So I actually had to, some of my best friends were from Louisiana. You know, Petrie, Brandon, if you're listening. Um, I mean, just a, lo- a lot of good people from, o- great people. And for me, it was like, oh man, you're actually kind of cool. Did like, you ever have everybody go? Snotty? Wait, you're from you're from Glen Fork. Oh, we thought everybody was. Oh yeah, us Glen Fork folk. We were uh, kind of like the alternative, nerdy, geeky. Played hacky sack out in the courtyard, which apparently was like social taboo in high school. And the things I just don't care because I'd rather hang out with someone that I enjoy than someone for social gain or reputation. Um, personally, but. That being said, yeah, there Glen Fork, drug ridden, low population. The elementary school was great, in my opinion, great from my experience, but it was kind of beat up. So I did feel like I was on the bottom of a ladder. But then again, from my experience, I can't say with any tangible proof that any of that was true. Like I feel like it was just made up, if that makes sense. Like I, I do. Like where's this come from? Like my, my own family's insecurity about folks from Oceana, uppity, as someone as some would say, because they do tend to have a bit more cash in Oceana than in Glen Fork. But Which is funny because some people rarely like, did I feel that way. Some people looking at Oceana going cash, like 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 they would look down on Oceana. Oh well, now it's like oh you know Oceana drugs yeah. everywhere, and again like the the people are good people, and I love them to death, and I appreciate them, and I'm. And I support them any way I can while living here in Greenbrier County. But it's just weird to have all these preconceived stereotypes. And then you you hang out with someone. It's like, not only are the stereotypes not true, but y'all are kind of funny. Like, these guys are kind of funny. So, so big picture statewide, there is this, hey, West Virginia, we are family. We look out for our own. We can We can fight amongst ourselves, but you better stay out of our business you know, other side of the West Virginia border, like stay out of it. And then geography uh, plays into it because we, our state is so small, but not easy to navigate. It's isolated. Yeah. Uh, Not a good tech infrastructure. 
Uh, not a good hard infrastructure by way of roads. And I mean, I was getting ready to say, what is it? Uh, Indiana is the crossroads of America. It's such a flat state. A lot of interstates coming through. You know, easy to cross. For us, that's just and not. It's always been that way. I mean, back again in the um, colonial days of Virginia, when we were just Western Virginia, cultivating this land was not easy. And there are a lot of Indians around here, Native American Indians. Sorry, I don't even know what's right to say anymore. Uh, so, just boom, put it all in go. there. Yeah. So, I mean, they were the Oceana Indians. They still might be. I wonder how that's working out. I was going to say, that'll get changed. But, um, but that's what, so, so statewide. Hard heart attitude of you know yeah we are a hearty people we look out for one another but then just geographically and um you know even though somebody might be two hours from you it's not an easy two hours somebody might be an hour from you it's not because oh, we I mean, can travel Fork is only an hour and a half away but it's like uh i mean you got to go to harper road and well that's the thing ooh. is we go really depending on how you drive you know beckley's just 45 minutes away but you got to go up sandstone mountain that's a that's a big mountain. I mean, that's that's a or a big hill in some people's lives. But, duh, duh, duh. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so Rocky Hill so much better to go down. And, and so I it, love Colorado. Actually, shout out. I've not I've not really been there, but uh, good stuff. But the looking statewide and then just internally, and then it continues to break down as you go because obviously people from um, people from like Wheeling very influenced by Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. Whereas people from like Huntington, I know, are very influenced by like Cincinnati, Ohio, Martinsburg, very influenced by DC. But then you have the heart of the state that's very isolated, and so there's a Braxton lot of things. County is the center of the state. Yeah, and uh, you got Flatwoods. Like, then you have McDowell County, McDowell, uh, the free McDowell state County of McDowell County, yeah. as my friend always put it. But but that's a uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's a, he would always say I'm from the free state of McDowell County. Oh, was he from McDowell County? Yeah. That's what he always, he would never tell you he's from McDowell County. You. That's where we went skating at Welch. He would always say, What's I'm from the free part? state of McDowell County. But but so a lot of things factor into the tribalism as it's been put in our state. How, uh, as you said, very untrusting of those from outside. Um, but then because it's so isolated, even if you're from a different holler, so to speak, um, very untrusting towards them or already have preconceived notions, mm-hmm. which I think tends to go towards our next topic as well. Yeah, so tribalism, the one question I would propose, because we have talked a little yes. bit about tribalism, especially within If you're going to propose, I say yes. Again? Yes. I keep proposing. I'm betting a, I'm betting a thousand for you <laughs> on my proposals. I have never said that phrase and received a no. <gasps> you so st- don't you start. You stud, you. Don't you start. But uh, the question is, and I would challenge all our friends who are listening right now to think about it. When you say we, who is we or us? Like, who is us? Some people, it is their local church. There are some, you know, denominations that would say us is this specific church, like our church building and our members. Like, that's the biggest us. Or some would say us is family or us is a country. And I'm not saying those things are bad. Actually, it's good to be a part of healthy communities and your identification. But I don't, I think so much of that, like us and we, is socially constructed. And I think scripture actually gives us a better alternative uh, for that. If we're supposed to have a Christ like worldview of how we view ourselves, how we view God, how we view others, how we view all of creation, I don't think this, I think that that alone changes the who is us and who is we. 
Which I think you touched on that this past Sunday. It's always us against them. Well, who's us and who's we? News. You touched on that this past Sunday, and you're teaching on the church and fellowship that even the day of Pentecost had. Yes, they um, they were Jews, but they were Jews that were coming from a lot of different areas with a lot of different languages and a lot of different cultures uh, that they were influenced by, but then coming together through the Holy Spirit on that day of Pentecost and adding the souls to the churches, as Acts 2 talks about, um, it, it, it's, it gets rid of the us versus them tribalism of people. It's like, no, no, we are, we are in Christ, okay? Um, and that's what makes the church unique. And I think that the more we consider like what it is when I say we or us, me, Adam Bailey, when I say we or us, what's the biggest we or us that I'm thinking about that I would be willing to make sacrifices for eventually my own life? So we need to get these things prioritized, I feel like. Before we can even enter into this conver- uh, na- this national conversation about abortion, reproductive rights, everything, it's like, well, let's think about who who is us, who is them, who is the actual enemy here, um, maybe maybe there is a path within that to progress and move forward together constructively. I just think that's important. We need to double check our identifications. Um, again, like it's easier for me to say we to be Reformed Baptists at this point. And I know that the church is much, 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 much bigger than that. I know that. So I got to be careful when I'm, you know, next thing you know, someone asks me a question and I find myself going to, what is a Reformed Baptist? What are they supposed wait, no, let's go to scripture. You know, like what is the biggest we or us that we'd be willing to make sacrifices for? Well, and I'm, I'm looking at trying to biblically define us versus them. And uh, the one that we get instantly comes from uh, Philippians. Uh, where, sorry, this app, I'm still getting used to the app. Which one did you oh, have? Sorry, Ephesians. Uh, the ESV app. I changed over from the Bible Gateway app to the ESV app. and um, But Ephesians chapter 5, uh, chapter 6, that talks about the whole armor of God. And, and it's in that discussion that Paul brings about um, that we don't fight against flesh and blood but against principalities and powers. Um, here it is, sorry. Uh, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers and against authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual force of evil in the heavenly places. So it says we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. Um, so those that would, say, stand for uh, abortion, Okay, my fight is not with them. My fight is with the evil that is controlling um, and influencing and, and informing their decisions. And that that's exactly where I was going with this too. I think that in the broadest and most specific sense, the enemy is always sin. And if someone is outside of church, if someone's listening that is non-Christian, I think you know sin is. Any, any action, any mindset we undertake where we elevate ourselves over others or elevate ourselves over God, um, it's, it's all inclusive in the way. Basically, the human element, which you add to anything. So instead of like portraying a whole group or coming up with a group and slapping a tile on them and saying everything, they're evil. It's like, whoa, 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 whoa. They're, they're people. 
They were made in the image of God, but there's something inside of them, just like there's something inside of me and inside of you, that human element, which is sin, which causes us to act in selfish, self-ambitious ways, and that's universally wrong. But according to Scripture, it's, it's the sin part. It's in everybody. It's in me. It's in you. It's, you know, um, you know it's, it's, it's going to be this way until the next age. Yes, until the kingdom so comes. It would really help everyone if we would just just stop classifying everyone, putting everyone in groups, and going at each other group versus group versus group, and like, well, let's look at the person. Like, let's just look at one person in the crowd for all these marches and being like, wonder what that person's story is. Why are you so adamantly for this? Like, can we understand people? Like, let's sit down instead of just being like, oh, you're outright evil, and I want nothing to do with you. It's like, let's listen and try to understand because there's a person there, and that's what's most important. And we need to shed light on sin instead of just ignoring it altogether. I mean, like, good luck. So yeah. I, I guess that's kind of my problem with so many of these national debates. It's like we're looking at a group and overlooking the people, the individuals. Well, and and just so we're clear on the front end, anybody listening, we as elders of the church um, and as Christians and as um, husbands and fathers, uh, friends, brothers, uh, church leaders and grassroots as a church wholeheartedly stand for life. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, if given the opportunity to have abortion become illegal um, or not accessible, we would we would applaud that. We would say yes, that is good. Um, and so, just on the front end, making sure people hear us on that, uh, but then continuing to press the subject of what we've said how many times. I, you and I wouldn't be able to count how many times we've said, we don't want to just be known for what we stand against. We want to be known for what we stand for. It's not that we stand against abortion. It's that we stand for life because God is for life. Okay, He gives and takes life. And, and to continue to understand the people that we are maybe not in agreement with, okay? So we already said we, we wrestle against principalities, powers. We, we wrestle against Satan, his kingdom, uh, his fallen angel. Like, that's who we wrestle against and the ones they use. Jesus did say in his gospel, or in the gospels, uh, Matthew and Luke, and um, Jesus said, he made the statement, whoever's not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters, okay? Now, what he is talking about here is people have come in and accused him of casting out demons by the power of Satan. And he's like, hold on. <laughs> he's like, how could Satan cast out Satan? Yeah, he's like, <laughs> a, div- a kingdom divided against itself will fall. He's like, so I'm not going to do this. I'm doing this through the power of God, who I am, God the Son, you know, my, my own power through the power that I have casting them out, and, and he goes, and so that way you know, hey, whoever is standing in opposition against me is not with me, and whoever's not gathering with me is actually scattering. And so when we look at us versus them and, and we begin to lump people together, um, we could say, well, they're not for Jesus, they're against him. And it's like, yes. However, Jesus also said, share the gospel with them. And so if we immediately write somebody off and not discuss something with them because of a stance they have or something, 
how are we ever going to get to the gospel? And it's that's what I I keep thinking about making it personable in Romans twelve. I don't know the exact verse, but it does say we're we're supposed to like love even the lowly because it is easier. Like honestly, if I could lay down my life for someone that's like minded who's like me, I'd be so that's easy. But to do what Jesus did and to lay my life down so someone who I would I unintentionally would consider lowly, which is what Jesus did. Like, can we actually make sacrifices for those in that situation? And the reason I'm bringing that up is that I was looking at different statistics this morning. Coming from 2015, because uh, I'm trying to figure out, it's like, yeah, Roe v. Wade, wh- whatever happens, you know, there there will still be abortions. And the reason there will be is because there is still a reason that women feel as the women feel like that is the best option. So if you were to break down the statistics, and this is coming from 2015, 51% of women seek an abortion because of lack of access to contraceptives. So um, they can't afford birth control. Sometimes they don't have insurance to, to do that or facilities to where they can get birth control that they can afford, or if they do have it, they're not consistent with it. And then, and, and most that seek that are in low-income communities. So, uh, and also in the black communities too, it's like you can't actually, you can break down abortions by race. So anyway, just looking at that whole situation, it's like, okay, if lower income areas of women living there feel more likely to seek an abortion, I, I feel like we need to be more comprehensive here. Like, is it worth it? Would we be willing to pay if the sanctity of life and the pursuit of life is our main goal? Can we not provide other solutions that would make an environment less likely to have women who feel as though that is the best option? And I keep, I don't know if this is going to work or not. I don't, but it just seems to me if, if the price of life, we can't put a price on life, we just, we need to support it, which I do for both obviously unborn baby and mom, because, you know, the, the, the woman's health is obviously a huge concern and women should feel like they're taken care of and understood in society. But what, you know, six months paid maternity leave, period, boom. That might help, but people are like, it's too expensive. It's like, but if life is what we're going for. I don't know. It's like, at what point are we willing to make sacrifices to start alleviating the reasons why someone feels that that is the best option? And something else that blew my mind, John Oliver said this because he had a special on it. I'm trying to figure out their perspective on the left. Um, he said that one in four women get an abortion in the United States. I'm like, that sounds really high, but apparently that is true. Uh, 25% of women in America will have an abortion by the time they're 45. And 50% of the reason is lack of access to contraceptives. Uh, 25% of the reason was the woman's choice, which is very vague. Could be anything from, you know, I, it's very vague. But, yeah, I, and I don't know. It's like anti-abortion, sure, I'd, I wish it was not a thing, but I wish I could have my cake and eat it too. It's like I feel like I'm being forced to pick. It's like, well, do you care for the woman's health or do you care for the baby? And it's, well, it's like, well, both. Why can't, why can't we have both? Like, why can't? And and I'm sure Why am that, I choosing? I'm sure there's some of our friends that are listening that are are probably the way this can be interpreted. I'm not saying anybody's doing this, but the way this can be interpreted, it, what you just said is, oh, just throw condoms at everybody. Just do what? Just throw condoms at everybody. Like that's what you're wanting to do. Is you know, they don't have access to contraceptives. So hey, now everybody just have condoms and birth control free to everybody, uh, anytime you want, and and therefore uh, you know, people can have sex whenever they want with no consequences. And that's not what we're saying. What we are saying is there needs to be a bigger picture look at the subject. Again, do we stand for life and against abortion? 100%. Always. Always. Yes. 
But there's a bigger picture here of a breakdown of the family unit and where maybe, you know, not maybe, I mean, definitely people look at sex in a way that actually is not the way it should be looked at, that it should be between one man, one woman in marriage, um, therefore able to, uh, when pregnancy does happen, that they have the family unit to support the children in. Um, you know, that sex isn't as free <laughs> as people think it is. There are consequences behind it, and it's a powerful thing uh, that God has created. And so looking bigger picture that it's not just make abortion illegal. Okay, it's illegal. Whew. All right, we're, we're good. Yeah, problem solved. We'll never have to worry about it again. But it's like, well, are we? Are we doing? And men, are we, like, listening and doing everything we can to care for women and their health and to, like, encourage? You know, I was like, I don't want, I, it's sad that women might feel abandoned. Because I keep putting myself in the shoes. I'm like, I'm just reading through things this morning. It's like to put myself in the position of, let's say, a single mom, a woman of color in an urban area in the deep south who has two jobs and gets pregnant. And it's like, I, I mean, I got to quit one job or quit. But I mean, child care is so expensive. You can't even get formula. Can't even get formula these days, which is, you know. Circumstantial, obviously. I don't think anybody's like running off with the formula. It's circumstantial, but it's like to be in that person's shoes. I w- I would hope that there are Christians, like people of faith, speaking into her life, being like, if you're considering abortion as an option, there's a better way of thinking. Let's fix the heart behind this. It's like it's unfortunate, but the fact that we're thinking along these lines that we need to fix the heart or it. Pr- speak truth into someone's life of understanding of like there is a better way of thinking there's always hope win-win you can be taken care of and we can have a baby but that's what i'm trying to say maybe i'm thinking too optimistically well and and i'm going to continue to kind of press a little bit here because what you just said you know uh the scenario you just yeah i'm just trying to understand yeah, the scenario that's you just all painted. i'm trying to do i think some people could say listen she should have never had sex i agree to begin with and that's where we're like, <laughs> we're like, yes, like that's an accurate statement. That is an accurate statement. And that's why we have to be more involved in stepping into people's lives and helping them see first the gospel and, and, and then God's way according to his word. But if we do happen to encounter a woman who has had a baby, um, who is not able to care for or whatever... Are we willing to sacrifice of ourselves to either care for the child or help the mom care for the child or step in in that way? Because what bigger way to preach the gospel to somebody than to give of ourselves for their good, mm-hmm. okay? The same way Jesus gave of himself for, for our good. And so that that's what I'm trying to press here. And, and I want to make sure everybody knows, listen, we're taking, what, 30 minutes to try to discuss a topic that is so huge. So I'm sure there's a lot of questions. 47 minutes, oh, maybe? Well, we talked about tribalism, but um, but it's such a huge topic that we are just covering briefly because here in the news recently, the Roe versus Wade, the, the Supreme Court, and and then people Which, listen. for the record, I do support it. I, I, it's fine states running it, but again, some states, abortion will be even more 
liberally enforced in some states. Like, why do we? It'll like, be allowed, and some states will so make it illegal. Roe v. Wade so crossing or, borders or uh, rearranging it. It's not. Fi- I don't feel like it's getting the heart of it. But that's what I'm saying. Is like I. I think we need to be what you were saying actually, um, more relational. Mm-hmm. In that, if if you come across somebody who was, hey, I, I end up getting pregnant. Um, and I'm thinking about an abortion. Well, you've got multiple paths now to take with them. One is to just condemn them for what they're thinking, okay? You can condemn their previous actions. You shouldn't have sex outside of marriage. See, this is what you deserve. Uh, things like that. Or um, to lead them towards life. And, and listen, there are care pregnancy centers all over the United States where Christians are doing this very thing. They are welcoming women in to help them understand their their decisions, uh, the consequences, and and helping care for them through the pregnancy, through the birth, and then either raising the child or finding a place for that child to be raised. That's happening. We need to get more involved with that. Mm-hmm. Um, as Christians, as individuals, somebody you work with, somebody that you go to school with, you know, if if one of your, say you have a teen daughter or a teen son and one of their friends, you know, they find out in high school is pregnant, are you willing to step in and help them work through that pregnancy, help them graduate high school, help them either raise the baby or find a place? That's what I'm saying. And Be I think for life and men have to have some ownership here, too. Oh, like absolutely. A lady can't get pregnant herself. I think men who get women pregnant peace out, which happens in a lot. Unfortunately, you and I talked to yeah, we uh, a server recently at in a restaurant. Men, yeah. men have got to step up. And I heard a guy ultra. I heard a ultra, guy. Ultra I, liberal I, guy. I heard, I heard a guy. guy. He's on my TikTok. I redownloaded the old uh, TikTok. You went and, back to TikTok. Look. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to the bathroom. You don't want to invest in a long YouTube video. You want the TikTok, I you know TikTok. Or or let me just let me just like, pose like clock, this. Man. Let me just pose this. You read. Uh-huh. You read. Uh-huh. Well, I'm reading the screen. <laughs> Go ahead. What are you gonna say? This guy, super liberal guy, I cannot express that enough. Um was talking about he's like, yeah, okay. He's like, um, He's like, well, how about we put forth a proposal that for men who do get women pregnant, try to peace out. Like, you're going to pay for school supplies. You're going to pay for all the doctor visits. You're going to 100%. Like, have some responsibility here. Like, step up. Like, make them. So, so, so real quick, we call that being a dad. Yeah. So, I think men own that. To throw it all on women is not right. Like, men, like, we, we should fix things. We need to listen and fix solve problems and work with people to accomplish that. And it also breaks my heart, too, because there's a stigma. 25% of women by the time they're 45. Obviously, that's a lot of churchgoers as well. Women feel so stigmatized. They're not, it's hard to get information after the abortion because of the emotional trauma that it causes where women don't really speak up often, where they have to, like, we facilitate an atmosphere where if someone, if someone is experiencing emotional trauma or something with um, post-abortion life, they're too afraid to share because of all the stigma. Ah, breaks, like, there's always hope. Like we, well, and that's the thing is, we as can do Christians, we, we can all do better than this. We carry the hope with us for people, the hope of forgiveness, the hope of restoration. 
um, you know, and and eternity. We carry that hope with us in the gospel, and and that's what I think. You know, the question posed to us was, how do we approach this without being labeled as a bigot, um, without seeming like, because because some some circles want to pose this as if you're pro-life, you are anti-woman, okay? And what we're saying is we're pro-God, okay? God's word, God's purposes, God's design, God's creation. God is the giver and taker of life. We're pro that. And so how do we approach that without being labeled a bigot? And I'm just going to answer that very simply. You can't. There will always be somebody who, in order to try to shut you down quickly, is going to throw something at you that labels you, okay, and, you know, you're a bigot. The second you you don't, you know, if you look at a situation, I'm going to use a, another hot-button topic real quick. The second you look at a situation, say a, a cop, um, a police officer would shoot and kill a, a black person. And then we look at that and we go, man, watch the footage. Uh, that was the necessary path. Somebody will look at you and go, you're a racist. And it's like, wait, what? But if you look at this and go, no, no, abortion, we, we are for life. We, we don't want to support abortion. Somebody's going to look at you and go, you're anti-woman, you're sexist. See, we've got to stop that. Like, I'm not going to, like, if someone comes and says, like, hey, I want to talk to you about something. Be like, well, you are a left-wing liberal, and I don't want to talk to you because you're crazy and we've we've got to stop that on both sides like well, let's sit down let's put aside our differences and let's be constructive we got it we i don't know dare i just feel like we got to try to invest in other people's lives as best we can and really do our best to try to understand them and i think until we get to that point where we want to do that n- none of these social issues are going to go away it's only going to get worse and, and we're being torn apart i feel oh, like there are absolutely. business interests to do that and political interests as well you have to have an enemy you know if there is no enemy, let's make one up. Uh, you <laughs> like that? Well, and of. I think I think you could look at go go read Steve Jobs, um, the the biography on him. Great book, by the way. And and how does he succeed? It's by he's a he's they're they're battling Bill Gates. You know they're battling Microsoft. They're fighting. You know it's like you create an us versus them, and that that. That codifies Adidas people. Adidas Nike. That br- yes, that brings them together. Android iPhone. And oh, that one's fun though. Um, sorry. <laughs> no, I'm just thinking. Think about it. Think about how well that sells. Oh yeah. I mean, well, that one's that one is actually fun, but it does sell. But but my thing with it is is how do we approach it? And that is where um, we once again we go to scripture and we see Jesus. Uh, the way he approaches in Scripture says that he was full, and I say this all the time, he was full of grace and truth. That word grace meaning love, okay, and truth, meaning he is going to speak the truth in love. So what's the example? Did Jesus ever come into contact with a woman who had had an abortion? Uh, we don't know, okay? But do you know he did come in contact woman with woman who had like a million husbands? Yeah, the woman at the well <laughs> that's there midday because she's embarrassed to go at the normal time with the other ladies because there's a stigma. Stigma. And he goes, hey, can I have some water? And her response is, if you knew who I was, oh, man. you wouldn't want water from me. And he goes, I know exactly who you are. Go get your husband. I'm not married. Yeah, I know you're not married. Um, the guy you're living with isn't your husband. You've been married this many times. She's like, you're a prophet. He goes, no, no, let me tell you something better. 
he he confronts her with her sin, but he approaches her lovingly and gracefully. And and that's how if somebody you know is pro-abortion, okay, you can throw down the gauntlet and the dividing line instantly and be completely separated, or you can speak the truth and love according to God's Word. If you know somebody who's thinking about getting an abortion, you can instantly stigmatize it and and draw a line where they, they're not going to want to approach you with anything, or you can speak the truth in love. And how do we speak the truth in love? We've said this a lot. It is, you speak for God's glory and the other person's good. A lot of times when we speak, and I'm using air quotes here, speak the truth in love, we're trying to make our point because we're right. But instead, it's like, no, no, God's right. I am using his word to speak truth and hope into somebody else's life. I think life. that's, we're, we're so afraid of having our own worldview challenged. I think that we're afraid sometimes to sit down with somebody who we completely disagree with to try to understand them because what if we realize like, oh, I actually have a point, darn it. And all the stuff I post on Facebook, I got to take back. You know, it's like, now what do I do? I've been saying this for so long and now I don't feel that way. Be humble. Like, I don't know, dude. Let's social stigma, whatever. We gotta, we gotta do a better job of identifying who is we, who is us, and I think the best way to do that, according to scripture, is let's identify the sin in our own lives, identify the sin in others, and work together to help each other. I think if I could put it in a super practical way, do I sound like a hippie? Hey, man, bro, I sound That's like just we just need love. more love. Is all we need. And one other thing is we are so. Again, Bill Maher, of all people, was talking about how loose the Senate bill was to pass an abortion. I didn't even know abortion was just a court ruling. I thought it was a law. I did not know that. But apparently, most women are pro-life. Makes you kind of wonder. Who's, who's coming up with the... Anyway, it's just weird, the whole situation. Well, and this is where I say I give a real practical example, okay? Um, if If there came a law that we had the opportunity to vote on. I'm going to make sure I go vote. I'm going to be a part of the process. Now, a lot of people want to say, hey, the government shouldn't regulate it. Okay, I actually agree with that. But the difference is the government is going to regulate it. So I want to make sure that I'm a part of the voice that stands for God's word. So I'm going to go vote. Now, will you find me out on the street corner with a picket sign? No. Depends on the policy. I, I'm not going to be out Bring there. Bring back the kicking chicken sandwich. Bring back the. Remember when Wait, you did that? Is that not there anymore? No, it they wasn't. still have it. It wasn't. They took it away for a while. But they and you organized it back, that. They knew. You organized that protest. They knew. You were burning men's garments. Uh, remember that? In the streets. Crazy. Yep. A total show a of masculinity. I had a petition with tens of dozens of names. And. <laughs> I went three. <laughs> and look, look at what the, uh, those three did. I was that on the- sandwich is back. If you've never had, by and the way, friend. It's kicking higher than ever. If you've never had the kicking chicken sandwich from the asylum downtown Lewisburg, how are you living life? Sorry, now i got to look at the time. To see what how are you living life? But, yeah, am I going to be downtown holding a protest? No. But if given the opportunity to be a part of the process, I'm going to. If given the opportunity to step into the life of somebody who might be a, a um, considering, it, it's let me step in. There will always be circles that, that we are considered bigots because of what we're doing, because people want to, people want the us versus them. But what we do is we step in speaking God's truth 
in love, and that is by speaking for God's glory and the good of the other person. And same, identifying sin in our own lives, identifying sin in others' lives, and it can just work. You said be humble. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm wrong. Look, people, if... I'm sure there are some that are listening to this who completely disagree with me. They probably want to smack me in the face. I hope that people understand like our hearts behind this because I'm not anti anybody. I, I honestly love everyone. I want everyone to succeed. So I, that's really where I'm at. It's like, yeah, abortion, I wish it would go away. And I also wish that I wish we could have a society where women felt as though they were more cared for and um yeah, like society had their backs a little bit better. To say, hey, you got to work two jobs and raise those four kids, and if you do anything about it, like you're, it's like, come on, we can, we can do better. That's all I'm saying. And and I want to make sure that I'm also clear. Like, can you correct me? Am I wrong, Darren? Am I? I'm I'm worried a little bit. No, I I think I think anytime we step into an arena like this, it's very it's very touchy. You, we strike nerves quickly. But this is what I I want to make sure I'm clear on too. Is like, it would just be easier for me not to have to deal with it. And and in my flesh, I'd rather just not deal with it. Just kind of let people do what people are going to do and not deal with it. And, and But Scripture calls us to action. There's hope to be given to people. You have a Scripture because you just whipped out your phone like it was a... Nah, I got a text. Ah, uh, come on. This I is... got a text. Well, here's a Scripture for you. Uh, Matthew 28... You know, Jesus' last words are go. So that's action. Yeah, meet people where they are, like Jesus did with us. Darren, you have anything you want to uh, reiterate before we sign off here? Like I said, I'm thinking about everything we said, and it's like I'm I'm trying to I'm trying to present my position. Not I'm not trying to appease anybody or tickle anybody's ear. I'm just trying to start from the basics of like we got to move forward. Yeah, we I got to move forward. I reiterate that I love our state. I love our people. I love our church. Um, and if if you've heard anything, again, big topic, short amount of time. If if you're needing clarification on something, or or just flat out disagree, um, or have a better idea of ways to approach this than what we like, open 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 door here, like open book, open door. Talk to me, talk to you, talk to us. Like we're not saying get on our level. We're literally saying, hey. Let's think through things. And so would love to hear from some folks. Come together right now. What car company? Oh, you? The Beatles. No, what car company? Aerosmith. I don't know. Neither of those are car companies. Were they, own, they probably have sold a few cars back in the day. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know. What car company I don't know. Hey, you already know the website. You already know how to contact us. Please give us your feedback. Uh, be constructive. Don't be meanies. Don't be meanie heads. Be nice. But we do respect everyone's opinion. And again, we want to walk this walk together. If you made it this far, you're awesome. Hope you have a good day. See you.